0: Welcome to the European heart journal case report podcast. I am Dr. Jonathan Hudson, a cardiology registrar in London, United Kingdom. And today I have the pleasure of presenting to you another one of our journals, exciting case reports entitled novel ACTN two missense variant is associated with idiopathic ventricular fibrillation. The case is written by Cody Hugh and Daniel courts who hail from the university of California Davis medical center in Sacramento, California. Now, before we kick off this case report, it will be useful to define the terms. Idiopathic ventricular fibrillation is defined by the 2013 HRS-EHRA expert consensus guidelines as a resuscitated sudden cardiac arrest victim, preferably with documentation of ventricular fibrillation, in whom cardiac, respiratory, metabolic and toxicological etiologies have been excluded through thorough evaluation. I like this definition as it incorporates the differential diagnosis to consider and the importance of comprehensive clinical workup. The history of idiopathic ventricular fibrillation is in a way the story of our increased understanding of channelopathies, cardiomyopathies, and of inherited cardiac conditions. Most primary arrhythmia disorders were once regarded as idiopathic ventricular fibrillation before they were discovered. However, with the advent of better investigations and improved understanding of genetics, many primary arrhythmia syndromes have become classified as separate diseases with a separate pathophysiology. Brigada syndrome is a good example of this, having been labelled as idiopathic VF in a nature paper in 1998, before being defined as a separate clinical syndrome itself. Now the case I'm presenting today is a brilliant teaching opportunity for a number of reasons. Firstly, it serves as a great reminder to cardiologists on how to thoroughly investigate patients with sudden cardiac arrest and ventricular fibrillation. Second, it reports on a novel genetic variant that may become one of the few variants associated with idiopathic VF. And third, it gives us an opportunity to explore genetic testing in idiopathic VF, including the benefits and the pitfalls. The case involves a 48-year-old female who suffered an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest while walking into her house. Her family performed CPR for 10 minutes and the emergency services attended, finding the patient to be in VF. She received five defibrillations, after which spontaneous circulation was returned. The patient had no history of cardiovascular disease, nor a family history of sudden cardiac death. She was intubated and transferred to hospital where she underwent a coronary angiogram, which was normal and showed no coronary artery disease, a CT pulmonary angiogram, which was negative for a pulmonary embolism, and tests for substance of abuse, which were also negative. Her 12 lead ECG was pretty unremarkable. While her initial transthoracic echo demonstrated severe diffuse hypokinesis, a repeat transthoracic echo showed significant improvement and a structurally normal heart. Further imaging with cardiac MRI with gadolinium confirmed this structurally normal heart. At this point, I'm going to pause in the description of the case as it presents a good opportunity to reflect on the investigation of sudden cardiac arrest and ventricular fibrillation. Of course, non-cardiac causes should be considered, including electrical abnormalities, drugs and toxins, respiratory causes, and cerebral causes. An approach to the investigations of the cardiac causes can be to think about it in terms of phenotype screening followed by genotype screening. So phenotype screening should involve a resting 12-EDCG, a transthoracic echocardiogram, and we should exclude coronary artery disease either with a coronary angiogram or, in selected cases, a CT coronary angiogram. An agonovine challenge should be considered if a diagnosis of coronary artery spasm is suspected and should be performed in the cath lab during coronary angiogram. A cardiac MRI is required to look for cardiomyopathies including dilated, hypertrophic and arrhythmogenic to name a few. Comprehensive testing could also include provocation testing with an exercise test, procainamide testing to look for Brigada syndrome and adrenaline provocation testing to look for long QT syndrome. If these tests do not provide a diagnosis, then an electrophysiological study can be useful and genetic testing can then be also considered. In select cases, you might also consider a cardiac biopsy. I quite liked reading the CASPER registry, which is a Canadian registry of cardiac arrest survivors in whom coronary and structural disease had already been excluded. If you're interested, this is a paper well worth reading and it demonstrates in their cohort after the comprehensive evaluation I've just described that 41% of patients receive a diagnosis to explain their cardiac arrest. Now, the overall prevalence of idiopathic VF in unexplained sudden cardiac arrest survivors is actually quite low, but it does seem to vary across studies, ranging from between one2 and 10.8%. In young adults who suffer from sudden cardiac death, it accounts for between 14 and 23% of cases. Now, back to the case that I was describing, things get a bit more exciting. The patient went on to have an ICD, and then they had some genetic testing performed. There did appear to be a paternal history of arrhythmias, with the patient's father having a diagnosis of atrial fibrillation at the age of 37, and the paternal grandmother had a history of complete heart block and some sort of cardiac event in her 50s, which we didn't really have much detail about. The clinical team looking after the index patient undertook genetic testing and revealed a variant of unknown significance within the exon 18 of the ACTN2 gene. They used three different in silico mutation prediction platforms that suggested this variant had potential to be disease causing. So genetic testing for idiopathic VF can be useful when there is a suspicion of a specific genetic disease following a rigorous phenotypic evaluation of patients with sudden cardiac arrest. However, this is also an area of some debate. The HRS guidelines advise against the use of panarrhythmia, pancardiac and exome-based genetic testing in unexplained sudden cardiac arrest due to the possibility of finding variants of unknown significance in genes that are associated with channelopathies or cardiomyopathies. It appears that we should be cautious when applying genetic testing. I like this quote from a paper by Conte et al. published in Europace quite recently. Quote, the widespread utilization for genetic testing in idiopathic VF appears more likely to result in potentially harmful diagnostic miscues related to assigning significance prematurely to an otherwise ambiguous variant of unknown significance. End quote. And actually, the yields for genetic testing at the moment are actually very low. Only two to seventy percent of the time are pathogenic or likely pathogenic variants found in sudden cardiac arrest patient predisposing genes. But The field is moving very quickly, and of course we shall watch this space. And genetic testing for variants of unknown significance can actually move our understanding of the genotype of idiopathic VF forward, perhaps. There are already four genes associated with IVF, the most established seems to be a variant in the DPP6 gene, and here now we have this case report of a potential genetic variant of the ACTN2 gene that may be associated with idiopathic VF. This gene encodes the protein alpha-actinin-2 which is a cytoskeletal protein located in the Z-disc of the cardiac myocyte that helps in anchoring actin filaments. There's a very good diagram associated with the case report that I'd encourage you to go look at. Other variants of this gene have been associated with dilated or hypertrophic cardiomyopathies, but the, also the authors of this case make a compelling argument that given their patient's history, it may be a genetic variant associated with idiopathic VF. There is evidence to suggest that the alpha-actinin-2 protein can modulate the expression of Na1.5 sodium channels and regulate ion coherence through K1.4 and K1.5 potassium channels. They postulate that alterations of the spectrum, like repeats, could interfere with the regulation and function of cardiac ion channels and create a substrate for ventricular fibrillation. The authors make a compelling argument for this, but they also do admit to the importance for in vitro testing and further studies To confirm any causal relationship, to conclude, I want to share with you the author's own learning points from their case. Number one, when clinical assessment for an etiology of ventricular fibrillation, such as structural heart disease or primary rhythmic syndrome, is inconclusive, genetic testing may be useful. Pathogenic variants of the ACTN2 gene encoding the sarcomeric protein alpha actinin 2 are well known to cause hypertrophic and dilated cardiomyopathy. We show that ACTN-2 variants might be associated with malignant arrhythmias such as idiopathic VF in the absence of overt structural heart disease. In silico, missense prediction tools may help determine whether variants of unknown significance may be pathogenic. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this interesting case for us and thank you for listening to the European Heart Journal Case Reports podcast. References and the original case report are available online. Visit academic.oup.com EHJCR for other interesting case reports. Our music is Computer by State Shirt.